Hello and welcome to the Richard Grannon Podcast with me, your host, Richard Grannon. This is very, very unpleasant stuff. Today we're going to be looking at nine different ways in which narcissists abuse you and what you can do about that. Method number one is idealization. What they'll do is they will put you on a pedestal. They will love bomb you. They will make you feel like you're the best thing on earth, like you're something really special. Somebody or something that they've been looking for and not been able to find anywhere else. You are the one, Neo. You are the one. You're the one who's gonna make all the difference to everything. This is a really good way of getting you very, very attached to them very, very quickly. It's a methodology that's been developed and honed by cults for centuries. Method number two is devaluation and isolation. Having brought you in and made you feel so good about yourself and so wonderful and so important, now the thing to do is to pull the rug out from under you, to cut you off at the knees and make you feel worthless. One of the most powerful ways, but it's not the only way of getting that job done, is to throw you into isolation, is to isolate you from family, from friends, from anybody who could give you some kind of feedback from outside of this narcissistic cycle of information that would indicate that what they're saying is nonsense. They wanna cut you off from that. They wanna keep you feeling bad about yourself, bad about your ability to think, bad about what it is that you believe to be true about the world, and they need to isolate you because they know that isolation is a primary form of psychological torture for any feeling human being. Number three is gaslighting. Gaslighting is a term that comes from the 1940s movie Gaslight, in which a man takes it upon himself to make sure the woman he is targeting doubts her own sanity. He does this by various means, one of which is turning the gas lamps up and down in the house and making her hear things that he claims are not really there and all inside of her imagination. Gaslighting is a way of maneuvering reality to make the target think that they are losing their minds. If you can convince somebody that their perception of reality is wrong, they will go into submissive, passive state that allows you to insert whatever dominant narrative you'd like to place inside of their consciousness. He said I wasn't any litter. He said I was going out of my mind. You're not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. But why? Why? The purpose of these three first types of narcissistic abuse that we're looking at is to get you to break. Whatever your conviction is, whatever your beliefs are about the world, they wanna break you and break you free from those beliefs because those beliefs 
that philosophy, that conviction about how the world works is protecting you from them. It's your final boundary between you, the soft core of you that they're after, and them. That predatory vampire is hammering at the door, trying to get in, and if they can get you to break, if they can get you to break with your friends and your family, if they can get you to break with your community, with your church, if they can get you to break with your beliefs, then they can sink their fangs into you and really get to drink your milkshake. Mr. Daniel? I'm finished. If you continue to resist this breaking process, they'll elevate the narcissistic abuse to the next level. And this will include scenarios such as mock executions. The mock execution will be them taking you through a simulation, a virtual reality simulation of what will happen if you don't give them what they want you obviously won't realize that this is a mock execution at the time that's happening. What would this look like? This could look like them packing all of their bags and leaving, only at the very last minute to have a change of heart once they've seen your submission, once they've seen your emotional terrified response to them leaving, or it could be them packing your bags and kicking you out. It could be them withdrawing access to your children. It could be withdrawing money, housing, shelter, anything that you need, they'll make you feel the full feelings of what it would be like if that happens without it actually happening. This is what I call a mock execution. It's a form of psychological torture, very commonplace across the world and throughout history to get the subject to break if they're particularly resistant. It's very cruel, but it's very effective. As the scale of the cruelty increases, it will do so incrementally with the narcissist's desperation to get you to submit. Submission and the breaking of who you are is the end goal. They can't have you fighting back. They can't have you questioning them. They can't have anything but blind, total, mindless submission to their orders. So they will get crueler and crueler as they proceed. Trauma bonding is one of the cruelest things that you can do to a human being. They will essentially treat you both as though they were an angel and a savior in your life, rescuing you from pain, and simultaneously they will show up as the very demon that you need rescuing from. So they'll be demonic and devilish in one moment and then angelic and savior-like the next. The impact of this on you is twofold. One, it's extremely confusing, causes a massive amount of cognitive dissonance, which manifests as stress, which leads you to be physiologically, psychologically, and emotionally exhausted, which makes you more likely to hit your breaking point where you will simply submit. 
The other effect of this is it causes you to bond tremendously powerfully with that individual as your ego boundaries break down and you recede back into an infantile state you'll find very strange impulses coming out of you, like the desire to apologize to them for forcing them to inflict this torture on you. It's quite commonly reported amongst political prisoners who've been the victims of long-term acute torture. And it's one of the most humiliating and traumatic parts of the PTSD that results from that, is the submission to the torture at an infantile level and then that is usually followed by a desire to protect them. Number six is cliffhanging. All human beings have an innate, strong desire for conclusions. We want finality, we want conclusion, we want this thing that we typically call closure. The narcissist and the psychopath know very well if they keep cliffhanging you, if they keep taking you to the point right before you get closure and then withdrawing that closure, that will create an enormous amount of stress in you and that will lead you towards breaking point as well. At this point, we might be looking at the scenario where actually the narcissist is no longer looking for your submission. You may now simply be in a scenario from this point on, from cliffhanging forward, where all they want is to punish you and destroy you. So you may now be into a phase of having inflicted narcissistic injury through your defiance of narcissistic rage, where there is nothing more to be desired than vengeance. And then things get very, very nasty indeed. Stonewalling is another tactic that the narcissist knows very well is gonna be enormously stressful for the victim. No matter what they say, no matter what they do, no matter what they ask, how much they beg and plead for mercy, the narcissist simply stonewalls, gives nothing. They know perfectly well that the target is looking for some sort of a conclusion, some sort of answer, you know, some sort of definitive sense of where they are and that if they refuse to give them that and they just stonewall them, they keep them locked inside a prison of their own imagination to be tortured by the person's own anxiety and their own lack of sense of closure, of not knowing what is going on. It's a torturous state to leave somebody to be in, but this is what happens when we've moved from breaking the victim to trying to get submission from the victim to now just simply taking revenge on the victim for defying the narcissist in the first place. The next particularly nasty tactic that the narcissist will be using in the final phases will be to destroy the person's reputation. Why? Because this is a wound that you can inflict on somebody that's poisonous. It's a wound that will not heal. Long after the narcissist has gone, long after the, the victim and the narcissist have nothing to do with each other, they manage to leave this palpable smell, this poisoning of the well that leaves a question or a smear 
on that person's character and on their reputation. They'll go for the person's name, knowing that without their good name, they don't really feel like a human being at all anymore. This particularly works well on individuals who are conscientious and of good character and care about what people think about them. The final tactic and the nastiest thing that will be done is the brutal discard. They will do all that they can to make you feel the full pain and the full smart of this phase as much as they can. I've spoken to narcissists who say that they put themselves in that person's life, they give them a lot of attention, they made their presence felt and known as much as possible 24-7 to an almost claustrophobic degree, deliberately knowing that at some point they're just gonna withdraw completely from that person's life and discard them knowing that the person will be deafened by the silence of the narcissist's absence. It's a deliberate tactic to induce as much distress and pain and trauma as possible. One of the questions that I'm very frequently asked is, does the narcissist know that they're doing this? Is this like an unconscious impulse that they have? Or do they actually know what's going on inside of their heads at all times when they're doing something like this? Is this an unconscious response from childhood? Well, let's be clear. This is an unconscious response from childhood. It is a manifestation of PTSD and a manifestation of CPTSD. We would call this the fight fawn response. It's very predatory, it's very nasty, but it is the narcissist or psychopath's way of trying to cope from an infantile mindset with an extremely hostile environment that they would have found themselves in in childhood. Probably they were in an environment where they were being given multiple mixed messages at the same time. On the one hand, they would have been told they were wonderful, angelic and godlike. And on the other hand, they were probably receiving messages either overtly or implicitly that they were worthless, useless and beyond salvation. That belief system being put inside of a person over time eventually manifests as a kind of demonic worldview in which the only thing they can see in the world is power struggles because that's all they saw in childhood. So the only thing they map for is dominance. They're only concerned with where they are in a dominance hierarchy and it becomes very, very important for them to be higher than you. It is known that the core issue of narcissism is around the fact that they constantly feel themselves to be sliding down the dominance hierarchy. What can we do about all this? This is nasty. This is very, very unpleasant stuff. My advice would be to be a good tactician, to think in terms of strategy. Be zen. Be cool detached. Try as much as you can to detach from your emotions about the situation. Observe what is occurring, observe what is being said, but be detached so there's a gap. You want a nice, zen, cool, 
stream of calm consciousness gap between the information you're receiving and your response to it. The more space you can create between the two, the more you will make a fine strategist able to not just survive, but thrive following a scenario like this. Be cool, be calm, be objective, take stock of your enemy fully and completely and not naively, and then think in terms of strategy. Please make sure that you fully abandon all sincere communication when you are communicating with the insincere. It will not help you. This is not a battle. It's a series of battles. You can only win this war if you have a superior strategy that will hold you through multiple battles based on good principles and based on a cool, calm, objective look of where you're up to and where your opponent is up to. Know yourself, know your enemy, and you will prevail in 10,000 battles. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for your time and for your attention. I hope that you found that useful. Just so you know, um, this video was edited by Ashim. He, like me, is a big fan of uh, films and of Tashira Mifune. Um, if you liked the edit that he did for this video, please give us a like, and I look forward to speaking to you all very soon. Tomo arigato. If you enjoyed that video, please check out this video over here on the left. Below you will see a link to a free PDF. And over here on the right, you can subscribe to my channel to get all future updates immediately. Thank you.